Lord, even as Jacob said that to you, I will not go. As Moses said, if your presence isn't going, I won't go. Father, that we may desire and pursue your presence. To want to be closer to you day after day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, if you received that this morning, if that's your prayer, give him a mighty shout of praise all around this room and all around this building. Online campus, good morning. We welcome you today to 3W Church online there in your home. And it's an honor that we are able to go into your living room. Just bring it right up to there. Uh, to be able to be in your living room and be there in your house. Um, and uh, it's awesome to be able to have you tuning in with us. We pray healing. We know we have several folks that were under the weather and uh, dealing with some fevers and some different stuff. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we pray healing. We pray your word of healing. For you are a God that heals, a God that delivers, and a God that restores. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy and your faithfulness. And we thank you, Father, for we know that right now you are touching body. Fevers are dropping. And we thank you, Lord, for your healing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're part of our online campus, we have a team members that are on there. If you have prayer requests, you can send them. And uh, it's yesterday we had our volunteer meeting, or not meeting, sorry, our volunteer appreciation dinner. And uh, we had a great time, but one of our online campus volunteers, that's what she put that was her favorite thing, was being able to pray with you online campus. And so we have team members that are there praying and interceding. If you ever have needs or prayer, just send them in, and we've got you, and we're praying for you. Amen. Can you give God one more hand of praise this morning? Amen and amen, because God is so good, and he is so faithful, and uh, he will never, ever, ever let go of any single one of us, amen? If you know anything about our church and anything about us, it should not come as a surprise that we love to celebrate people when there is success, and uh, we have somebody here this morning who I'm going to brag on for just a second because his work schedule hasn't let him be here on Sundays for a bit. Uh, but we've got a young adult within our church. Um, I, I have a lot of echo and feedback um, on my microphone. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge my brother Charlie a second. Um, Charlie is, uh, we, we honored him, I think it was last year, when we found out he graduated summa cum laude and his, and his uh, bachelor's degree. Uh, but he not just got accepted into his uh, law school of choice, but was offered a full scholarship. Yeah. So, Charlie, we celebrate with you, and we are proud of you, um, of all of your hard work, and we know the Lord is opening doors for you, brother. It's part of our culture. It's part of our values to celebrate and honor, man. And so we rejoice with you this morning. We are proud of you, and we know that the best is yet to come um, it's funny because if you look up his contact on my cell phone, uh, I did this at one point last year when he was already, yeah, I'm going to go to law school. So I changed it to Licenciado Charlie Perez. Uh, so I'm a, I, I know that God's doing great things, brother. And uh, I know that work has had you working Sundays for the last few months, but you're able to join us today. And we did not want to miss an opportunity to celebrate you and what God is doing in you. Man, can we give God a hand of praise for Charlie's life? Amen. That's one of our values here is to celebrate and honor. There's so many bad things going on in this world. We need to be those that propel the good news. We've got the best news on the planet. Jesus made a way to the Father. And man, we stink. 
sometimes physically, but you know what I'm talking about. We mess up, we sin, we do all kinds of things, but guys, God forgives us. And that's why our goal and, and the reason why we exist as a church is to get people to a place where they acknowledge, trust, and lean on God daily. It's a daily thing. We do encounters with God daily, and when we get together corporately, there is power. You know, I, we had an, a, a, a really weird experience. I learned a lot about electricity over the last few weeks because at our house a few weeks ago, like around 9.30 at night, I was already sleeping. It was a Sunday night. I was not sleeping, but I was in the bed. Patty was finishing up. The girls were asleep. Everybody was, whatever. And all of a sudden, I started hearing beep, beep, beep. And, and, and I was like, what is that? And I got up, and I went to the kitchen. And my microwave was turning on and off, like, like when you plug it in and unplug. And it was like, it was just on, off, on, off. And I was like, this is just weird. So I just unplugged it. And then I hit the light switch, and I had no power. And, and, and it was weird because I had no power in half my house. I had power in half of the house, but I had no power in the other half of the house. And it was really weird because I've, I've never experienced that in my life. Same with one guy. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, you can't trace that. You can't translate that because in, in English, the transliteration, if you literally translate it, a rooster went out of me. But that makes no sense, all right? <laughs> so... I, I, I started checking, and, and I literally had half the power. The fridge had power. Yeah, thank God. And, and, and I started flipping, and there was no power in half the house. And so I went outside, and I looked at the meter. And the meter had all, like, eights across it, like the power meter from the power company. Like, you know how it's different digits that are there as it's consuming? It was like if it had just been reset. And so it wasn't registering anything. It was really weird. So I go on the FPL app. And, and, and I go to rep report a power outage, and, and, um, and, and, and it actually asked me this question. Do you have a complete outage or a partial outage? So I didn't even know that was a thing. So I put, I have a partial outage. And then they went ahead and they, they, they did something on their system, right? We have everything is smart nowadays, and, 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 and even all the meter boxes are smart. And, and, and after about 30 seconds, it said, we have detected a problem on our side. Somebody will be going out soon. And so, um, <laughs> lo and behold, at 2.30 in the morning, I got a knock on my door. Dong, 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 dong. And there's the guy from FPL. He's like, I'm here to check your stuff. I'm like, he goes to the side. He's like, yep, I have confirmed the, the, the issues on our side. There'll be another team out here in a few hours, 4.30 in the morning. And they come and they connect this apparatus. And, and they said to me, one of the phases of power went out. And so I learned that there's two phases of power that come into your house, and one of them went bad. And they said, we're going to have to put a whole new line. But this will give you the temporary power. I learned a lot. I learned about that fact that we can lose half power. And can I tell you, when we only are pursuing God on our own. I have a lot of people that tell me, oh, I don't go to church. I just do everything at home. I'm talking about online campus right now that I'm online. Or I'm talking about people who say, I, I, I don't need a pastor. I don't need this. I, I can do it all on my own. And, and we get into this whole thing. Can I tell you, you're losing or missing out on half the power because there's a phase of power when we corporately gather that only comes through and gives you full power. 
With half the power, certain things might work. But none of the things that need full power, like your AC or your hot water heater or any of those things that need some 220, they won't work on half power. And there's a lot of us that are living life on half power. There's some of us that think, well, if I only go to church and I don't need to do it at home individually, you're only working on half power. There's some that say, oh, if I just do it on my own, but I don't need to gather, you're only working on half power. The fullness of the power is when you're daily acknowledging, trusting, and leaning on God, and when you're fellowshipping together brings a fullness of power. So I encourage you, pursue him daily. Because as you daily pursue, you will have an encounter. You need to be intentional on that. Because the intentionality is key. Amen? Can we give God one more hand of praise this morning? I don't want to lose another rooster, so let me take another sip of water. Uh, Those of you that don't speak Spanish didn't get it, but it's okay. Learn Spanish. It's the language of heaven. I'm just kidding. So we've been in a series that is titled Happy. Actually started off the series by mentioning how that phrase, I just want to be happy, or I just want you to be happy, man, it's like having that the car all gassed up and nowhere to go, no, no, no roadmap. Because what does it even mean to, I just want to be happy? I just want you to be happy. What does that even mean? But Jesus took care of letting us know what it meant to be happy. And we've been talking about the Beatitudes in this series because the word Beatitude really means supremely blessed. Blessed beyond measure, something that is worthy to be congratulated for. And the Beatitudes teach us the attributes of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. This week, I had the opportunity on Friday, not just to uh, preach at the chapel over at at Florida Christian to the 7th and 8th grade boys, but the biology teacher had reached out to me at one point last week and said, I'm teaching creation in class, and I had to treat evolution as well because it's of the biology and so on and so forth, and and the kids have a lot of questions. Would you be able to come in and do kind of like a Q&A with my biology classes? I said, sure, that'll be fun. And so I went over to these biology classes and started answering some of their questions. And then I kind of just opened the floor as well. And and one of the kids asked me this question, totally random. And he said, Pastor David, do you believe in aliens? (laughs) Now, you all know me. So I looked at him and I said, yes, I do. I'm one. (laughs) And a bunch of these kids were like, what? I'm like, I am an alien. I said, very straight-faced. I said, the Bible says that I am not of this world, that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That is where where I'm from. I am not from here. And the attributes in a citizen of the kingdom of heaven are found here. One of those things is that happiness. And how do you find happiness? Well, we talked about happy are the poor in spirit. Again, remember, happy are the poor in spirit. We need the whole entire verse. Sometimes people say there, no, it's good to be poor. It's good to be poor because if you're poor, you must be humble and theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No, no, no. Poor in spirit is what the verse says. And that's the realizing or the recognizing your spiritual bankruptcy. You can't get to heaven. Listen, online campus, you can't get to God without realizing your spiritual bankruptcy. And then he said, happy are the ones that mourn. Not because of loss, right? There is a grief that comes in loss. But here what it was 
trying to say, Jesus was saying, was those who are experiencing the sorrow or the weight, the heaviness of repentance. Why? Because you'll be comforted. By who? By the paracletus, by the Holy Spirit, by the comforter. We talked last week where Jesus then said, happy are the meek. And meekness is not the same thing as weakness. Meek is not weak. As a matter of fact, what it means to be meek in a biblical connotation is a strength that is under perfect control. Jesus was meek. He was on the cross and could have called down a legion of angels and taken everybody out. But that wouldn't fulfill the purpose. The purpose that he was here on earth to fulfill, which was to die and make a way for you and me to get to the Father. And so we need to walk in meekness, and that's why Jesus teaches us how to be meek, and he said, take my yoke on you, which is light and easy to carry, not burdens. And then he continued saying, happy are, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. And what is righteousness? It is the acceptableness to God. So Jesus said, when you are striving to be acceptable to God, there is a joy, a happiness that comes. Come on, ladies, you remember when that guy asked you out on a date? And you were like, he's going to pick me up at 7.30, so you start getting ready like at 2 in the morning? And then you took a picture, hashtag no filter, I wake up this way. No, you didn't. And you go and you, you, you start getting ready. You, you want to be presentable. You want to be acceptable. And, and, and you don't want to wear all brokenness and all these ripped and, 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 uh, shorts and ripped jeans. Oh, that's what everybody wants to wear right now, but I know it's cool or whatever. I, I, my joke to anybody who's wearing them is like, man, I can see you've been praying a lot. You've made holes in your jeans right on your knees. Lots of prayer life. But you strive and you strive because you want to arrive and be looked at and said, wow, you look good. You do your hair. You do your makeup. And if right before leaving the house, you realize there was a speck or a spot, you're like, give me a minute, I got to go change. Because you want to be acceptable. You want to be presentable. And Jesus said, those that hunger and thirst to be acceptable by God. Those are happy people. Why? Because as we said last week, being acceptable by God is better than anything else. So where are we going to pick up today? If you're in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to go to verse number 7, Matthew 5, 7. And look at what Jesus continues to say hearing in the Beatitudes. Verse number 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy. Now, I want to break down merciful here for a second. If you look at the word merciful, you might say, well, it means full of mercy, right? Mercy, full, full of mercy. But can we dig a little deeper? I don't like using definitions of a word, defining a word to use, you know, to define the same word, right? What is merciful? Full of mercy. Well, what is it? And if you look at the word merciful, as a matter of fact, this word merciful here and the way that it's written out is only found twice in the New Testament. It's only found twice in Scripture. And it's actually a combination of three different words. In the original language, it's actually the word uh, elemion. I probably butchered the way you pronounced it. But it's the combination of three words that mean this, 
to have mercy, to activate compassion, and to have compassion for the poor. Merciful is a combination of these three things. And so it is a word that that denotes a compassion, a kindness, a mercy that has action. That is the key to being merciful, action. As a matter of fact, it is not being merciful if there is no action in it. If there is no action to it. It's not merciful if there's no action. It requires action. If not, it just is really a pity. Yesterday, we were in the car. We, and for our volunteer dinner, we, we, our, our whole theme was donuts. Because we thank you a whole bunch. And so we had all kinds of donuts, and we went over to Krispy Kreme and, 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 and got dozens and dozens of Krispy Kreme donuts, which, by the way, volunteers, y'all eat a lot of donuts. I wanted one at the end of the night. There wasn't any left. Everybody left, and I looked at Patty, and I was like, hey, is there a donut left? And she's like, nope. I was like, what? We did, we did. I should have put one in my house first. <laughs> so we're on our way to Krispy Kreme Donuts. Not Krispy Kreme Donut, but Krispy Kreme Donuts. And we came across a gentleman that was at a street corner who was homeless. He said, I'm hungry. And immediately, Patty and I looked at each other, and, 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 and we looked around the car, and we, we had run out of care packages, and I didn't have cash in my wallet. And, 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 and I was like, we, we wanted to, but I wasn't able to. So I, might, I, I felt something, but I wasn't able to act on it. There's a difference between feeling it and acting it. And when you act it out is when it becomes merciful. Did you get the picture? Jesus is the picture of what it means to be merciful. As a matter of fact, as you read the scripture throughout this week and you're reading the New Testament, I I promise, I know that it's going to highlight every time that it says, and Jesus moved by mercy, moved by compassion, acted. Right? He, he, He was there with the disciples, as a matter of fact, he, when he hears that his cousin John the Baptist had been killed, he goes out by himself. He probably went to go spend time by himself and mourn, but everybody showed up to follow him. So he started speaking and preaching and teaching. He used the opportunity, right? And then the disciples say to him, hey, master, send the people home. This is a desolate place, and, and they're going to need to eat. Jesus says, y'all give them something to eat. He was moved by compassion. He says, you give them something. They said, all I've got is a loaf of Cuban bread and a few sardines. And Jesus said, bring it. He blessed it. And out of compassion, he showed mercy, multiplied it. Everybody ate. 5,000 men plus women and children, the Bible says, till they were satisfied. And there was baskets of it left over. Moved by mercy, Jesus healed blind people. Opened the ears of the deaf. Opened the tongue or the mouth of the mute. Moved by mercy, by compassion, Jesus healed leprosy. Jesus raised people from the dead. He didn't just feel it. He put it into action. 
And you and I, we need to put into action that that we feel that God put in there. As a matter of fact, we get the word in the English language that we call philanthropy or philanthropic out of this word, merciful, in the original languages. If you look at the epitomology of the word, etymology of the word, thank you. That's where we get it. Because it's not that you just have it. Man, don't you know a lot of people that have stuff but don't put it into action? It's good as nothing. We need to put it into action. And the ultimate sign, the ultimate depiction and picture of merciful is God the Father who saw the brokenness in you and in me and in all of mankind and said, I will send my son to pay the price for them. The ultimate picture of merciful. Put it into action. And that's a challenge that we need to take on, where it's not just enough to feel it. You can't just pity. You can't just see it. You need to put into action whatever is within your ability to put into action. Why? Because that brings a happiness that only comes from God. And that's why the verse says, Blessed are the merciful, for they themselves, what? Shall obtain mercy. Oh, don't we love for people to forgive us, but we don't want to do it to them, don't we? Let that one sink in there for a second. As a matter of fact, God says multiple times in Scripture, Scripture, and Jesus even said it in the prayer that we're supposed to model, forgive us as we forgive others. And all of us want mercy, right? Because justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is being given what you don't deserve. We all want mercy, but can I tell you, if you want to receive mercy, you need to walk showing mercy, giving mercy. Sow the seeds of mercy, and you will receive the ultimate harvest of mercy from God. Then Jesus continues talking, and he says in verse number eight, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I love that he says they're the pure in heart. What is it that we're talking about? When it's talking about purity in heart, the word pure literally means clean, undefiled. When it comes to that of being ceremonially clean, uh, uh, not having spot, not having wrinkle, not, not being dirty. And our sin dirties us, right? Completely. Time and time again, the blood of Jesus cleanses us. But here he's talking about purity in heart. In other words, what are the intentions of the heart? What are the intentions of the heart? Pure in heart. Pure in heart. The intentions. We're talking this year about being intentional. What are the intentions of the heart? And the way we look at it, we can say happy are those whose intentions are pure. Do you know that you can have good intentions that are not pure? 
Sometimes we do something and we say, oh, but I did it out of good intention. But the good intention wasn't a pure intention. There was something hidden there. You did it for selfish gain. You did it to be liked by people. You did it to be praised by people. We did it for all the kinds of other things. And that's not a pure intention. Blessed are those who have a pure heart, the intention. And you know what we need to do, guys? We need to guard our heart. Look at what Proverbs 4.23 says. It's going to come up on the screen in a second. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. This translation said it. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Guard your heart. I wrote it down this way, intentionally guard your heart. That means sometimes there's people we need to cut relationships with from around us. It means you don't talk to them. It doesn't mean you don't talk to them anymore. It just means that if that person makes your heart lose some of its purity, scrap it. Pastor, but I've known them for so long. Scrap it. Because it all starts at the heart. You know, God is amazing. This series has been in, quote unquote, if you want to say this expression, it's been in the books for a while. It's been in the oven for a while. But in today's daily Bible reading, if you're doing the Bible in a year starting at January 1st, today we're on day 22, or 23, because it's January 23rd. Psalm chapter 19 was one of the readings. And look at what Psalm 19, verse 14 says. I actually wrote about it in the little commentary uh, this morning, if you're doing it together with us on the Bible app, because it just stood out, because I was going to preach on this, right? 19:14, the psalmist writes, and he says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your heart. The medita- uh, be acceptable in your sight. The meditation of my heart. What is the psalmist saying there? A thought may come that's not pure, but I'm not going to let it take root. I'm not going to meditate on it. I'm not going to dwell there. I'm going to get past it. Why? Because I want my heart to be clean, my heart to be pure. Again, we mess up. Sometimes we say things, right? Look at what it says there. And that the words of my mouth be acceptable. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't say, right? It happened to me this week. On Friday, I was on a phone call with somebody. There was something I I had sent an email to somebody who I thought was the appropriate person to speak to about a certain situation. And the person emailed me back and said, I'll look into it. And they emailed me back and said, can you speak at this time? And I was like, sure. So I set aside time and I'm talking to the person and the person starts telling me all these different things. And I said, well, I don't think that's the way it should work. And, and, and I was like, yeah, but I can't do anything about it. And I said, so you, I, I, and I said this, I was like, I reached out to you because I thought you're the person that had the authority to fix it. But if you can't fix it, then I'm wasting your time and I'm wasting my time. Oh no, Mr. Perez, it's not a waste. And I was like, it is a waste. You can't help me with what I need. And I hung up and I said, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being truthful, I'm being honest. I probably shouldn't have answered it that way. So what did I have to do? I had to apologize to the person, and I had to repent before God to keep my heart clean and pure. 
So the, what does the blood of Jesus do? It cleanses us, right? Like if you go eat after church today and you went to get some wings or some ribs and you got some barbecue sauce on your shirt, you don't get home and throw your shirt in the garbage. You get your shirt. Le pone un poquito de talco. No. Cuban remedies. Right? You, you get your shirt. And you're going to soak it, and you're going to stick it in the washing machine, and you're going to add some Tide or some detergent, whatever it is that you use, to clean it and get the stain out. And that's what the blood of Jesus does. Cleanses us, cleans us. We just got to go to him and get in the washing machine. Figuratively, not literally. There's little signs. Don't get inside the washing machine. (laughs) And that keeps a purity in our heart. And then, daily Bible reading, it went to Matthew chapter 15. And Matthew chapter 15 is awesome. It starts with the Pharisees coming to Jesus, and they say this to him. They say, why don't your disciples keep the traditions of old? And Jesus answers and says, why don't y'all keep the commandments of God and instead follow the traditions of men, right? Sometimes we, we follow man-made traditions instead of the commandments of God, and that's what had been taking place. So Jesus says this. Look at chapter 15 of the book of Matthew, verse number 8, I think it was. will get there in a second. Jesus talks, to, and he says this. These people draw near to me with their mouth, And honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Oh, that stung. I mean, it stung so much so that the disciples look at Jesus a few verses later, and they say, do you know that what you said truly offended them? And Jesus is like, yep. Why? Because the intentions weren't pure in the people. And the purity of the intention is what matters, the purity of the heart. It's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount also says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, all these different things. And he says, but I tell you, you need to forgive, go the extra mile. And then he also talks about about the fact that adultery and murder start in the heart. So the disciples ask Jesus here, well, explain this parable. What are you trying to say? And look how Jesus responds to them. We're in chapter 15. Verse number 16, Jesus says, are you also without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then is eliminated? Jesus talked about pooping, okay? And then verse 18 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those things defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemy, and these are the things that defile a man. So what does Jesus says? There needs to be a purity in your heart. Again, the way that David wrote it, the psalmist, let the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Because a thought may come, just don't let it stay. Don't meditate on it. Don't linger in it. Don't ruminate on it. And say, Lord, cleanse me, renew my mind, my understanding, 
so that I may walk in a purity of heart. As a matter of fact, I love John Chris has this whole thing. I hear the whole thing. He talked about check your heart, check your heart, check your heart, check your heart. And I'll tell you, we need to constantly check our heart. Why am I doing it? The whole thing that Jesus talks to the disciples and to, the, to us through the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about checking your heart. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you fast, anoint your face. Don't look like you're fasting. Don't, don't walk around saying, oh, I'm fasting so I can't. No, 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 no. You fast, go in your prayer closet, like do your things to honor God. What is the intention or the motive in the condition of the heart? Because that is what's going to let you see God. Not just see God, but see God in people. When you're having a pure heart, you're going to see what God wants you to see. Do you know that you are the answer to somebody's prayer? You are. Perhaps that person that you noticed and you went and paid for their grocery or gave them a smile and said, hey, it's going to be okay or did this or did the other. That person that day maybe woke up and said, if you are real and here you come and out of the purity and sincerity of your heart, say something and God impacts them. Guys, it's a challenge for us to walk in a purity of heart. Knowing that his mercies are new every morning, that you and I can mess up. We do things, say things, act a certain way, and then we call out to the Father and he forgives us. And in the same way, we then show mercy put it into action, and in the same way, we strive to keep our heart pure before God, intentionally guarding our heart. Why? Because then you'll be able to be happy. Have you noticed that when you live your life trying to please people, you're never happy? I don't know if you've noticed that. If your sole focus is pleasing people, you're never happy. But can I tell you, if you're so focused as living for God and pleasing him and hunger and thirsting for his righteousness and doing what he asks you to do, there's a joy and a happiness that no man can take. You can have plenty or you can be in lack and you'll be good. You can be able to jump up and down or you'd be in a pain for something and you'd be okay. Why? Because you've realized that you were spiritually bankrupt You've realized that you needed the need of a savior. You realized that you can't do it without him. You've surrendered to him and you get to that place where you obtain mercy because you're merciful. You get to that place where you're happy because you're walking with a intentionally guarded heart so that you can walk purely before the presence of God and be a blessing to everyone you come in contact with. Because our God wants us to walk in a life that is abundant, full of love, and full of joy. And the reality is this, God has given us the recipe 
on how to be happy. It starts with recognizing our need of him, with releasing the weight because the comforter comes in, with learning how to have the power and strength he's given us under control, with a hunger and a thirst to be acceptable to him, putting into action the mercy and keeping our motives of our heart pure. And we will receive that which God has for us. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, this morning we worship you and we honor you and we thank you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for the fullness. We thank you, God, for you never let go. And we thank you, Father, for you are in complete control. Holy Spirit, work in us. Work in us today. Father, for we need you. We cannot go forth without you. And God, we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. And Father, today, we transfer our trust to you. As a matter of fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered your life to him, transferred your trust, and you want to do that today, to say this with me, and we're going to pray it together with you and say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't get to you. I'm spiritually bankrupt. But I believe Jesus is your son. The ultimate action of mercy was Jesus dying on the cross. And he did it for me to pay the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.